There's a smart new website that will change the way you invest using social media. Like Folio. Here to explain a team of brothers, Andy and Landon Swan, of Like Folio. And they've always been building out great technology at the intersection of social and trading. Powered by unique social data. Analyzed by legendary traders. The Like Folio broadcast starts right now. It is a wicked cool day in the wind zone. We've got two phenomenal guests. Nicole Sherrod and Jeff Mackey are in the house. Uh, it's me and Landon here from Like Folio, and we're going to talk markets, talk our book, and just have a good time understanding how uh, we trade. So, Jeff, I'm going to kick off with you just in case someone actually hasn't heard of you before or heard from you before. <laughs> Give us the give us a quick background, how you look at markets, that sort of thing. Sure, um, I run my own book now. I had a hedge fund for ten years. Was on CNBC's Fast Money, founding member of that. Sorry, America. <laughs> and also, you're welcome. A little of both. Mm-hmm. We'll mix it up. And now, just a private investor. So I got to eat what I kill, which tightens up your time frame a little bit. As long as everything's moving in the right direction, you're okay. But it has to be going upward and to the right at all times. So it's, uh, it's definitely tightened up my frame a little bit, but made me more cognizant of day-to-day stuff. Well, we're getting some up and to the right today. Yes, we are. And Nicole Sherrod, old friend, good friend. We've been working together for a long time. T-Dans, you may remember Nicole as T-Dans. <laughs> T-Dans Sherrod on, uh, on Twitter in her previous life, but now she is <laughs> at Nick Sherrod. That's right. It's good to be back. Good to see you guys. You too. So you're trading, you usually trade options, don't you? Uh, Not always. In fact, um, lately I've been swinging equities a lot more. Um, A lot of put selling and a lot of equities. I think, you know, it just, it all depends on what's going on in the markets, how wide spreads are sometimes, like just the way options markets have been lately, you can just get more of an edge with the equity. Yeah, I've noticed some of the sometimes on those options, I've noticed it's really hit and miss on the spreads. Right. Like sometimes I'll log in and I'm and it it makes me nervous to even just enter a options position because when it comes time to exit, are, what are my spreads going to be? Exactly. You know? and if it's not spy or you know if it's on individual equities, it can man, it can hurt to have to exit an options position when the, when the spreads widen out. The other thing is I'm still an earnings junkie, and sometimes right. depending on what happens in that call after hours, you just want to trade it then and there, Yeah, which you can't with the option. So Nicole and Jeff, well, he doesn't like to be called Jeff, I think. Nicole and Mackie, two <laughs> of my favorite people. I, you're like my two texting buddies for trading. Like I will – Run ideas. We got like folio ideas flowing. We'll have, we'll say, you know, purchase intent on this or that is good or bad. Mackie, what do you think? And he'll come back with a, I guess, are you typing that on an iPad? You, you have to be. You, the text messages. Texting, yeah. I'm pretty much text friendly, but for the most part, an iPad, yeah. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, it's fast and it's it's a lot of content and it's really good <laughs> stuff. Um, so, those pens you can write on there, right? 
Did you take pictures of iPads too? I do. I do. <laughs> I I'm the guy in the mall taking pictures of all the displays and trying not to creep out the store manager. That's pretty much me. If you've seen a bald guy skulking around a store that he shouldn't be in, that's most likely me if he's taking pictures or call your local authorities if it's not. <laughs> it could be. And and we are talking about inside of Victoria's Secret. I mean, this could very <laughs> well be happening. I spend a lot of time in Lulu's. I spend a lot of time in American Eagle. Just places that you don't Take want a 49-year-old man lurking. But that's where the money is, you guys. you got to go do the work. No one else is going to go to Sephora. I will. I know it's like. It's kind of nice, actually, a facial laugh, isn't it? <laughs> how is this not a movie? Like, how is Paul Blart Mall Cop a movie and there's not one about Mackie in the mall? These are valuable skills. These are, these are, everyone should go to the mall and learn how to talk to a store manager. They'll tell you anything, man. It's the best. Yeah, we were just talking in the, um, in the office about that kind of due diligence that um, you do particularly. And you were just like, I mean, tell us the story. So you can go up into any associate or store manager. These people are used to getting, you know, basically shit on all day by customers. <laughs> and you come up and actually treat them like a human that might know something, and they'll spill their guts. People yell at them all day. And so they're real receptive. Your average clerk is going to be chatty with anyone who's nice to them. And for those who don't know, I, my, my dad was a Target exec for years and so we would go to targets the way most people would play catch with their old man and he was pretty exacting about the target standards i've seen him make grown men cry which is a scary thing the um, but it gives you a feel for what malls are supposed to or what stores are supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be operating and so i'll go in with a mindset of this is what i expect from this specific store and this is what i'm looking for and you're just looking for exceptions if, if yeah, I'm sure Victoria's Secrets. I don't want to walk in and see them killing it. I don't want to see the store look great. Right. Um, you know, but it, it, you can't take it as a one-off. You have to stop and you have to actually do the legwork, try it on, talk to kids, figure out what's going on. That's how actually we became texting buddies is once you put together the analytics and sort of the soft skills, you can paint a pretty compelling picture ahead of the quarter, which leaves how the market's going to react as a variable. And it's a huge one. Yep. But if you can get the first two out of three, what they're going to say, what people expect, their reaction, you're going to have a pretty good bet on. Yeah. Well, that's, and you know, like Folio, that's what we're trying to do as well. We're just trying to see what the consumer's saying on Main Street before it becomes news on Wall Street. And we're just looking for a little bit of an edge. It's not perfect. You know, it doesn't work every time. The only thing that we have insight into most of the time is top line revenue number. We have no idea how much the company spent to get that revenue. Right. We have no idea how much the discount was on each of those purchase intent mentions, but we know that more people were talking about shopping there than they were last year in the same quarter, or we know that less, or we know that people are extremely unhappy with the queso or whatever it is. And so we can put together a thesis that at least gives us an edge, you know, uh, and you get a number of occurrences and you're going to make money. And particularly in apparel where you can actually just go on the app. I mean, Under Armour, it, it's, so red hot today but they've made a little bit of a comeback but some of their their hottest stylings and fashions they've been out of stock online almost immediately yep. which tells you an awful lot and and there that'll get you a lot of chatter but the chatter that you're getting is not necessarily leading you to a buy it, it's a mixed blessing you want an item to be hot enough for people to to take it out of stock but 
you make a lot more money selling things. Right. And so when you go to Under Armour and you, they have the Rock shoes, which were a much bigger hit than they thought, and so they were sold out right away two years ago when they came out. You're willing to give pass on that, but they just sold out in about a week for the sizes between seven and fifteen in their most latest release. And so you're selling shoes now to about four percent of the population. That's not going to lead into an earnings beat, no matter how many people like the Rock shoes. And that's research you can do yourself and at home, and anyone can do it with the device they're probably listening to this show on. I've been such a big fan of Under Armour. I'm a hometown Baltimore girl um, and, you know, just think it's a great company, but they've struggled a lot lately. I think they just announced they're adding to the Steph Curry lineup. Do you think that will bode well? If, if they make nice shoes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, everyone knows who Steph is. They make dad shoes. And you know, everyone kind of knows it and they make fun of it. And it's it's... Kevin Plank's an interesting guy. It, it, those calls are always worth listening to because, boy, they bring a lot of pep. Yeah, they know. do. <laughs> Suspiciously high amount of caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the company got out a little bit in front of itself and they're still trying to find their feet. And they're either going to be huge or absolutely disappear because no company is to build campuses the size of that place. It, it's one or the other. Either they're selling that out and chopping it up and making it into condos or Under Armour's going to take a run at Nike. But there's not a lot in between. Yeah, yeah I can tell you on the shoes, I mean, Steph Curry drives a lot of, a lot of um, awareness. But I coach two teams, one girl's team of sixth graders basketball and one boy's team of fifth graders. And what I noticed two seasons in a row is that at the first days of practice, these kids would show up with their brand new shoes on, and they a lot of them were the Steph Curry Under Armour shoes. And about one week later, they almost all of them had switched to a different brand, an older shoe, because those shoes were hurting their feet. Wow. I was just like, and these kids are indestructible. I mean, this is like fifth and sixth graders. And, the, and it was just like, they look really cool, but they hurt their feet. And I was like... You can't make shoes that hurt kids' feet and do well in the shoe business, right? So it's I've always been skeptical of Under Armour from a shoe perspective just because of that experience. It's like, And how old are these kids? Like 10, 12 years old. Yeah. So then you've got parents that are never going back to that brand. Yeah, because you just dropped 130 bucks on Steph Curry shoes and – your kid will, won't wear it to play basketball because right, it hurts right. their feet. And it's <laughs> so, great moments in parenting because you're like, you know what? You suck it up there, Junior, and break them in, and then your kid's feet are bleeding and realize that yeah. that's not necessarily it's the really... trying to dump. I've got an Under Armour story as well because I'm Long Lulu, and Under Armour decided to go into pants. And because and, they, they're thinking, I'm sure was anyone can make pants out of interesting fabric. Well, it turns out there's more to it than that, specifically when you're making men's pants. You need that zipper area to have a little extra fabric or else it becomes, you know, hey, look, it's the David sculpture walking down the fairway, just kind of bobbing along. And so they, 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 they I don't get it. Can you elaborate on that? I don't really understand the reference. Andy, give us a spin while I finish <laughs> But so, so Under Armour has Jordan Spieth. He's in the hunt in one of the rig tournaments. And this should be good. This is why you sponsor the big ticket guys. And NBC won't show him below the waist because his junk is bobbing up and down as he walks down the fairway because Under Armour doesn't know how to make pants. You know, it kind of says a lot about the guy at Under Armour that designed those pants. He didn't think it would be a problem. 
Or maybe he just, you know, it was into it. Maybe he's feeling pretty good about himself. Maybe he likes it up, whatever. He's got personal business going on in the background that doesn't Eddie apply to most going. people. I'm going to start watching more golf. <laughs> you wouldn't have seen anything. If the, if the pants are they're too vulgar to show on your golf, they're probably not going to move a lot of units. Yeah. The point being, just quality. Just move a lot of units. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Woo. PG 13 here. Even though this was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Um, let's go. Let's do a little roundtable. We have got four four people that look look at the market usually a little differently. Um, let's let's get four. Um, what are the stocks you guys you like them right? We're not we're all long here, so let's go the four yeah, stocks that we that we're bullish on. One each. We'll start with Landon. Okay. So mine's uh, Callaway, E L Y. Yep. And um, this one came to our attention a couple of months ago, and I was doing a, an event where I talked about different stocks of TD Market Drive, and this was one that the purchase intent mentions, if you've got that up, um, that were all-time highs, like five-year highs, and it was in April. And so Callaway is very seasonal, obviously. They sell a lot of golf, and we play golf in the summer. So I remember saying on stage, these are summer numbers in April. And it's very unusual. And then the next earnings their highest quarter one ever. And uh, it's just going higher. And so uh, that coupled with the fact that I did my first demo day at the country club uh, a couple weeks ago. And the first club that the pro handed to me, he's like, here, try this. And I hit it. And I loved it. And I went around and tried a few others and went back to that first one. I was like, what is this? He's like, it's Callaway Rope. And I was like, oh, Callaway. This is the hot one. Yeah, and the other cool thing about Callaway is they own, I think, 25% of Top Golf. Yes, which is Oh, do they? Yeah. Super fun. Which is taking over. I think it's I think it's become like 25% or higher of Callaway's market cap is their ownership stake in Top Golf. Really? Like that's how much wow. Top Golf has taken off. Do you know how many locations they have? In Top Golf? Mm-hmm. No. Do you? I'm curious. I thought you were Maybe had some insight. I'm looking for it. Kind of like a quiz. Um, it seems like a big population type of. Yeah. That, well, I think it's any city with a million plus is is their target. They're opening one. The reason I knew that was because I was so excited for them to hopefully open one here in Louisville, here. and we're right on the cusp of right. relevance for Top Golf, and they I think they announced that they are, and um, but. Anytime I talk to someone that's been to one, they just love it. It's yeah. just like a total, literal game changer. It's like you it's can. It's like the bowling alley meets golf. Yeah. You hang out. You can drink, have some snacks. You've got to with your buds. You don't yeah, have to. My walk. understanding, some Sears stores are going to come on the market too. And this might be a little real estate. Well, that's that's yeah, what's hilarious. That, that's that's what's it's going in exactly. in Louisville is a Sears location behind them all. Yeah, and I looked it up. There's 41. 41. Yeah. So there's 41. Room. The okay. The UK. So there's room for growth. Yeah. In that brand, and then, and then when you go in there, it's all the clubs that you're hitting are Callaway. So if you actually do get into golf as a result of it, they've oh, got really? contact information. Yeah. So it's it's a nice little marriage there where Callaway's not just going down with the country club ship. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like they're getting on the next That's wave. Smart. Yeah. Then you you play golf for the first time at Top Golf. 
You're like, I want that same club because I hit it well. What was yeah. it? Right. It's yeah. a Callaway. Yeah. What well, the Top Golf gets you. These things were priced for golf going away almost entirely. Remember, yeah. 15 yeah. years ago, everybody was making golf clubs. Nike's out of the business now. You, you've lost a lot of players. Taylor Maid's become whatever Taylor Maid's become. It, it's people are leaving the space. It's a nice time to be dominant and have a little extra mm-hmm. sauce on the side in the form of a, a yeah. startup entertainment center. Exactly. All I right. Love the, I love the clubs, and then the Top Golf is like a bonus. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a nice story. Very cool. It's yeah. a nice story at Callaway. And the stock's reflecting that. I think it's near. It's at all-timer, at least five-year five year highs. highs. Yeah. But it's, for Topgolf, it basically becomes the showroom for the clubs, but yet they're still monetizing yeah. a lot of, a significant amount of revenue mm-hmm. at Topgolf. Like, I had some friends, I was in Vegas for a wedding, and all the guys did, like, their bachelor day at Topgolf. And I was like, what, what, I want to go there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, that one is amazing. Yeah. Like, that is the showpiece of all Topgolfs. It's, like, yeah. three stories, enormous bar, like, super fun. Um, but I think all of them are pretty fun. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I've, I've been there with one time, I think the first time I went was, like, a group of 12 people. like, six couples. And maybe three of the guys... Were golfers and all 12 people had a blast. I mean, girls who had never played, if you miss hit mm-hmm. it and you just top it, it'll go out and find a hole that gets you points. And so the girls were scoring, they were having fun. It was just like, okay, if they can make golf fun for this wide range of people, then they're winning. Then they're on to something. That's great. My immediate reaction is to be skeptical, and my secondary reaction is to re research bowling in the 60s. Yeah. Yes. Because holy crap, did they make bank yes. doing bowling alleys in the 60s. If you think people aren't <laughs> going to go inside and do these goofy little sports, you're completely wrong. They, they sold bowling balls. AMF was a huge company. Mm-hmm. They owned Harley. They were they were an enormous company. <laughs> they did. They had bowling. Harley. It was a bubble. Well, like, there was a bowling bubble. There was a flat-out bowling bubble, yeah. <laughs> it hopped in the 70s, didn't it? It's hideously and pretty much ever since. But point being that you know they didn't have top bowling back. That was yeah. the whole idea anyway. The fate of golf is not necessarily going to be the end of Callaway. Callaway can be, it sounds like, better position. They diversify their revenue stream and run out of competition. Those are two good things. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Mine is totally off the track of different than Callaway. Mine's Crocs, which is this... High end men's fashion shoe. High, would you say high end? <laughs> couture? Did you say couture? Is yeah. Too strong? Um, <laughs> it's as fancy as I get on shoes, pretty much. But um, no, but the reasoning is very similar to Callaway in yes. terms of the like folio data for that for for Crocs. I guess their summer lineup is good. But consumers are receiving it well because it's extremely seasonal. As well. Extremely seasonal. Normally, it's just all the purchases and hit mentions are happening in the warm months, of the summer, and we're seeing greater the the highest level of purchases and hit mentions we've ever seen already in May. And normally, it peaks again in August on a ninety day moving average. So we're way ahead. They're way ahead of the curve in terms of seasonality, and it just it's one of those kind of turnaround stories, a little bit like. Express was for us last year, mm-hmm. or Skechers was for us last year, or Weight Watchers was. It's just one of those that got so beaten down. It's been on a nice run lately, but I still think there's a lot of room to move in it because those kind of turnaround stories, it takes a, people a long time to get on that train, and it takes a, a lot to shake some of those shorts out. So I think it's, you know, I, I don't know, it's like 16... 1680, I think. 1680, so it's, it's been a nice runner for us. I think we're up 10% on it already, but... 
you know, it's one of those I could see just squeezing its way up to 28 or 30 over the course of, you know, the next six months. And people hate it. And people hate it. I love buying. Yep. Is those yep. plastic ass ugly shoes in the stock used to be seventy, and then you think about it, if they were killable, they'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. you know, right. They, right. They, they survived being hot and not being hot, and most brands don't. Skechers right. don't. Vans are new to my kids. My son had me buy him a pair of Vans just the other day, which is bonkers to me because it, it's <laughs> my yeah. son wears the Vans. Times. Yeah. And they're new to him. Have you seen these checkerboard shoes? It's like, yeah, I saw Sean Penn beat himself in the head with them in 1983. It was awesome. Someday I'll tell you about Phoebe Cates. But in the meantime, enjoy your shoes. Those brands that have been left for dead, man. When When they come back. You make an awful lot of money on those. Yeah. So so that's mine. Again, that was one, Nicole, where it was just like, I looked at the options and it just couldn't do it. I had to just buy the equity because the options were just so rough on the spread one day it looked good the next day you almost you can't you could be right and you could be right on the options price in terms of the mid price of the option and still lose money because you couldn't exit at the mid price yeah yeah Yeah, cover the mid that was one andy was texting me on it too because we share a lot of trade ideas and He's like, get on board. I think this is a good one. I was like, I just can't have that in my portfolio. I can't yeah, do it. I think you said. I, I think you were a little more dramatic than that. Like, <laughs> like if I own that in my portfolio, and then you said something very dramatic. I can't remember exactly what it was. I would have to. I just picture Mario Batali in those orange Crocs, and he. I'm just not a fan of this anymore. <laughs> it's. I had the calls. I broke even. They're. They're. Yeah. You might tough. think that doesn't sound like a tough beat, but man, breaking even and being right is brutal. I would just rather flush the money. It, it, it's, 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 if you mail it's a tough. move in a company like Crocs and it's all priced in already, that's sometimes you just got to suck it up and take the con. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nicole, what's your pick? So my pick is win. And this is, um, as you guys know, I'm more of a trader. I don't tend to hold things for any significant stretch of time. But when the news was breaking about Steve Wynn um, and the the sexual scandal, I thought to myself, surely a billionaire like Steve Wynn does not have to resort to um, meeting women in this in this manner. Um, and I was wrong, but I had, <laughs> I, I bought the news and I, um, you know, I, I actually sold puts on the stock, wound up getting assigned, so I became a shareholder. Um, but just the whole recovery, I've been really impressed with. They've gone in and they've um, bought more oversight to the board of directors. They've hired um, three or brought three women onto the board of directors. There's still a lot going on um, with respect to his ex-wife and all of that is still playing out. Um, Mm. So fundamentally, I'm just really intrigued to see what's going to happen here. The three-month return is about 15%. One year, 54%. Pays a 1.5% dividend. So for the first time in a long time, here's a stock that I'm holding long and I've done well with it. I could have exited um, at a nice return, but I'm sticking with it because everything that's going on right now with um, sports betting, I think it'll be interesting to see what a solid and iconic company like Wynn does with that. Um, Everything going on in McCall. I'm also, I love to gamble. I love their casinos. 
Um, I just think that buying great companies at a discount when they are heading into a crisis and watching how they turn things around can be a lot of fun um, as yeah. an investor. And that also gave a nice little catalyst to some management change that probably needed to happen anyway. Steve lost his fastball around 94. I mean, it, <laughs> which is no disrespect. He's a giant. He's Mo Green. But, yeah. you know, it didn't end well for Mo either. It, it's, right. So that gets Steve out of there. And truthfully, the people that go to the casinos probably aren't that uptight about it if there's not active criminal activity happening right in front of them. They're, you know, right. It's not a moral conundrum whether you're going to gamble there or not. Yeah, I kind of like the... Um, it's it, it's different, but it reminds me in a way of the Facebook supposed scandal. Like it's one of those really high-end headline things, mm-hmm. but does it really impact the end user? Probably not. I mean, the Wind Casino is still a great place to go. It's still a great place to gamble, and people still like going there right. no matter what's going on at the C-suite. I mean, it's almost... It, nothing could be more irrelevant to the lady pulling the slot machine arm than what... Steve Wynn was doing, you know, in the offices upstairs. And all of us who, you know, are maniacally focused on the stock market know that story. But most people who are heading out to Vegas who, you know, want to stay at right. the Wynn Hotel mm-hmm. and have a, a better experience than most of the Strip, they don't know. Right. And he wasn't killing people, chopping them up and using them in chips. I mean, he was being a pig. It is Vegas. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what happened in Vegas didn't stay in Vegas. That's true. It violated that commandment, but that's not going to kill the company. That, that, I, I love looking at um, companies that are going through a crisis, though. You know, the the news just hammers the stock. I think usually a, a little too far, and then it can just be a great opportunity. And that's where put selling, I think, is is. A great strategy. You you sell the puts as a limit order to get in if it takes a little bit of a dive because you're happy to own it at a slightly, you know, depressed price point, and then take yeah. it. From yeah, there. and if it doesn't get under there, you just take the take the, take premium, the premium and run. Done. Well, and it's the stress test. I mean, Starbucks is going through it. It's not my pick, but I'm sure that I you know there's some bearish sentiment in the room. When you see how that company is reacting to to what really actually shouldn't have been a crisis in the first place. Right. It shows you that management is, A, still Howard Schultz, and B, beyond Howard Schultz, kind of clueless. So they put the guy who's supposed to be retired out there as their front man on this defining scandal, and they start making decisions like everyone can bathe in our Starbucks. (laughs) Those are two dicey decisions. That that tells me that there's not a lot of great thought going on in in the C-suite. And you add to that... We're expanding in China, which is like, you know, and we're putting a sprinkle of magic in there. I don't think the Chinese are going to be overwhelmed by, by our American caffeine. They're <laughs> not going to be blown away any more than they were with our, our retailers. Every foreign country in the world is a land war in Asia as far as national expansion goes. So the idea that Starbucks is going to sweep through China and just destroy everything it sees is just kind of silly. Yeah. You know, if you can't run your corner Starbucks, you're probably not going to be able to run one in the outskirts of China. Well, I liked what you said about that uh, Starbucks scandal earlier today. In the other room, you said, um, you know, they sat down, there's this isolated scandal at a Philadelphia location, and they sat down and they thought, how can we make this news for a full month? Right. Let's plan shutting the store down a month from now to have a race relations 
kumbaya with 8,000 managers that had nothing to do with this. I met Howard <laughs> Schultz. He's one of very few people in the whole world that I would work for in retail. Yep. Resurrect my dad or Sam Walden, you know, Bezos maybe, Howard for sure, because he got the whole coffee gestalt, the smell, the, the hangout, the everything about it. But you need someone else to take over the idea, and it's not going to be him. Right. And, you know, they, 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 what was interesting to me about that story was the degree to which they threw everyone under the bus. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, this is the most liberal organization, whether you're conservative or liberal, Starbucks is way left to center. They're not a racist organization. They have right. a zillion five problems. Racism isn't one. The main reason being just practicality. If you're a racist, you don't want to work at Starbucks because you're surrounded by people who hate you actively. They've been hiring companies <laughs> for 40 years. So when that crisis happens, you turn around and you say, We're, that's why you have the equity. That's why you build your reputation that hard. So when something looks sketchy, you can lean back and you say, listen, you know who we are, and that's not us. Right. And so this is an incident, but, you know, it, it's... Right, exactly. That statement them, probably could have gotten it done. It could have gotten it done. That's it. We fired him, whatever. A month ahead of time yeah. was a decision made by someone who it might have been their first day. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Hopefully. Maybe the last. Doing anything. Uh, Andy, Mackie, what's Andy, your pick? We, Andy tweeted yesterday, Starbucks is the perfect place to hold a 20 to 30 person birthday party. Just bring a cake and a cooler of drinks in. They'll be happy to provide the space. <laughs> If you guilt them into it, they'll probably give you the cake. What do you mean you're not going to give me the cake? It's ageism. It's ageism. <laughs> Is it because I'm 49? Yeah, it's because I'm 49. Right? You want younger people and you're your bastard. <laughs> <laughs> My money spends like anyone else's, not here, but elsewhere. <laughs> Make sure somebody's videoing on their yeah. cell phone. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's Management will cake. And then a teary little Facebook post about how your birthday party was ruined. <laughs> ageist bastards at Starbucks. <laughs> Can I say bathrooms? Oh, yeah. I, I'm picking Target. Are we say going into the stocks yeah, we like? Yeah. Speaking of bathroom problems, it's coming <laughs> off their unforced bathroom air when Target decided they were going to lead the way on third-party gender bathrooms. The the That was two years ago. Target's yeah. gotten a lot smarter since then. The stock is run. It's it's coming into some old highs, and so we have a potential handle that needs to come out of our cup. I don't want to anticipate what the chart looks like, but you know, it, there's a potential breakout there. But what I like about what the company is doing is the window of opportunity they have. I mean, I think we're, we're starting to inch into not the post-Amazon world, but the post-world where every time Amazon looks in the direction of sub-industry, sub, sub it just dies. I right. was on grocery last year. It turns out grocery is pretty much exactly like it was a year ago yep. when, when Amazon bought Whole Foods. And so everyone's relaxed a little bit on that. Target, it it's they have a lot of challenges, but they have very good stores. And they've got an outstanding reputation, and they've got a lot of good ideas online that are fighting for airspace. And so that brings you a nice combination with these retailers. They're not really in the left-for-dead zone anymore. But I don't think it's priced in that their traffic is improving a little bit. I'm sure it's not priced in that they're going to get anything online. And what people forget about about all these mass merchants, or and all of them, there's just a handful of the drivers at Target, Walmart, in their fight against Amazon is the amount of space they have, the amount of just brick-mortar distribution that exists in a Target as it stands. You could move at least twice as much merchandise, probably more like 4 or 5x, if you just turned underperforming stores into distribution centers, right. 
it would be incredible. You'd have all kinds of lease problems. You'd have all kinds of issues. But that's what they're doing anyway with the with the order in advance and pickup. And Target has a good model. If they bring people into their store, people will shop. And that can drive earnings. Now, the question on any of these discounters, when we saw it with Walmart's report, they're not going to get a pass from Wall Street. And they're not going to get free capital. But they're going to move an awful lot of product. And in the long term, you know, this is another one where where I'm using long dated calls. I've got mostly next year type of stuff. But it's a way to, to kind of spice up a position that's not that exciting. You did it with Walmart last year, trying mm-hmm. to catch like a 20% move. And that's about what you'd expect on the upside from something like Target. It's going to be pretty tough for that if it gets to the 90s. But I won't really care. Right. <laughs> Things will be okay. I'll have a tax problem then instead of a stock picking issue. <laughs> Those are my kind of problems. I like those problems. <laughs> and well, earnings are coming up on the 23rd. Yep. Yep. Which is why we have long dated paper, because I'm not so sure. What I want from my retailers right now, and I listen to all of these retail calls, and so you can see pretty fast who has an idea and who doesn't. But I, I don't want them necessarily to be hitting EPS. I want them to be investing in, in projects that allow them to take share. Mm-hmm. Because it, the retail industry grows pretty much in line with GDP, which makes a whole bunch of sense if you think about it. Yep. And right now you have this opportunity in the U.S. that online commerce is about the size of California, somewhere between California and Texas, and there's effectively one store. God did not intend for there to be one store in a market the size of California. And so you're going to fill it in. Amazon doesn't get to keep as much share as they have. And it's much easier to go second. Yeah. So Target, Walmart, all of them are stealing Amazon's best ideas as fast as possible. And that spread is slowly starting to close. Hmm. Where, you know, the advantages of Prime, the two-day delivery, the you know, all that's going away. That's not really an advantage anymore. So Target's got a lot of really good ideas online that are fighting for airspace. But if they start to get traction, that stock goes much higher. I think mm-hmm. some of their private brands are just fantastic, too, like the Cat and Jack for kids. Mm-hmm. You know, the, my son, the senator, he's almost six years old, and he likes to kind of dress up. But for his play clothes, like, that's a great brand. They do terrific private label, and that's mm-hmm. how they got their Target nomenclature reputation or any nickname. But is just by providing a little bit extra. Yep. We've talked about that. They, Target gives you from a discount or a little more than you'd expect. You walk through there and you say, you know what, I'd wear that shirt. I yeah. like that. You know, it, it's like it's, it's you find stuff that you wouldn't expect to find there. And that's always a great retail experience. Well, even when they, they bring some of the high end and brands in too, like I know Hunter had a few issues. It's hard to do that, but those are somewhat high class problems. And, and Target's a good right. enough merchant that it's not going to blow them up. Right. You know, you take a really small one and, and you try to do a, one big label and bring it in and it, it's out of stock and it becomes a huge headache. That's a one quarter problem. We mm-hmm. sold out of our Hunter. Hopefully they'll sell out of something else way too fast next quarter or two. It just teaches customers to come faster. My old man, when we would go to Target's at Christmas, if you could find a parking space, he would lose his mind. <laughs> lose his mind. I just found it. I drove straight up here and I parked and I walked into the store. And the store manager would be looking at me like, that seems good, Ken. God damn it. There's no energy in this store at all. There's a certain scarcity value to that. That's so great, next though. time Hunter comes to Target, maybe get there a little earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry we sold out. Right. Quick question on you, you mentioned 
long out calls, like very far out. I never do that. How do you pick the strike? Um, Are you talking leaps? Leaps? That's just a matter of how long you wait. They were leaps when I got them. (laughs) Okay. Now they're they're calls. Yeah. uh, But, yeah, and usually somewhere right around the money or a little bit out. Okay. I think last year I was doing primarily 80s. You just buy singles? um, Or do verticals? or. I just buy singles. I just buy straight up and just treat it. Like I would in equity, but in the money and and something I have more confidence in. You know, to me that's the only edge I have over the the algo bot crowds out there that that have portfolios of every single stock you can imagine is that I know more about these specific things, and so I can out algo. If a company misses for good reasons, I'll know if it's a good reason because that's all I do all day. It's not bragging; it's my freaking job. So, you know, you listen to the call, you do your homework, and you can decide whether the beat makes sense. But it, so what I'm looking for in those, something near the money, and then, um, and and usually I'll load up right around where it is at that time. And that way I know again whether you're right or wrong and you bought it sometime. Go calls to the wall. Calls to the wall. Calls to the wall. Awesome. All right, we're going to wrap it up. We got, so to recap, we got Mackie's on target. Uh, tell us how people can follow you if they're not already. Um, at Jeff Maggie on Twitter is pretty much the only place I do my talking. And here. And Nicole is on when? On Twitter. No, I mean, when was your oh, stock? Yeah, when, With when two ends. Not one. Correct. And how can people follow you on Twitter now that you're not? D-Dans. At Nick Sherrod. At Nick Sherrod. N-I-C Sherrod. Uh, mine was Crocs. Mm-hmm. And... Landon's was Callaway. Callaway. And you can catch us just at Like Folio. Make sure you're following at Like Folio on Twitter and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you guys for being in here. This is awesome. This is fun. Awesome to have people in the wind zone that are such illuminaries. And um, (laughs) we appreciate it. So, and thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on Like Folio Podcast. Thanks. Mm